Coming up on Stu Does America, the cry to defund the police has gone out across the nation. But other than an attempt to hand Donald Trump the election, what does it actually entail? Plus, Blaze TV's own Elijah Schaefer tells us about his terrifying journey into downtown Dallas in the midst of the chaos. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this show on YouTube for free. Just search my name, Stu, and I'll be the first result. Hit the little bell icon. You'll get notifications every time we post a video. You can also check us out for free on Facebook and from your favorite podcast providers. Or if you're tired of the free sampler and you want the full-blown buffet, consider a subscription to Blaze TV. You know the drill. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Make sure to use the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And you'll save 10 bucks on your subscription. You know, they say when talking about something as sensitive as race relations, you can't just drown people in statistics. And I say, watch me. Conservanerds, unite! Stu does America. You know, I said before I left on my vacation a week ago that there might not be a country left to make this show for when I got back. I mean, guys, I was just joking. Can we stop this? We learned from Democrats that the best way to help black communities is apparently to burn them to the ground, which I kind of thought was like what the KKK did. Of course, the world learned about the KKK itself, thanks to the Democrats as well. So I guess it fits. I really appreciated the luxury of being on vacation in the middle of all this craziness. Kind of gives you a chance to marinate a little bit on what is a very odd collection of serious issues. At least you have the chance, you know, to avoid looking like this lady. What if in the middle of the night my home is broken into? Who do I call? Yes, I mean, I I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors. And I know, and, and myself too, and I know that that comes from a place of privilege. Ah, yes. Check your privilege, person who doesn't want to be murdered in their homes in the middle of night. Ah, you just don't you feel privileged when someone breaks in? It was painful watching all these hot take artists kind of flail around trying to find the right virtue to signal. Most of them just rush to their gushing apologies on behalf of their races or whatever social media requires of you to be a good citizen this week. Yes, we all know racism equals bad. Are we still having this conversation? For a million reasons, racism equals bad. As you may be aware, this country has had a little bit of a problem with racism over the years. I can certainly understand why an African-American gentleman or gentle lady might have heightened awareness and fear of uh, police interactions that I might not. But, you know, me posting a black box on Instagram or apologizing for white people, most of which are long dead, does nothing to cure that. I don't represent white people. I represent myself. I am responsible for my own actions, not for the actions of some person who lived before I was born, who I happen to share the same skin tone with. I am not going to apologize for the stuff they did because I'm not them. For all our national conversations on race that we have every couple of months, this is one of the zillion problems with racism that is rarely ever discussed. Fundamentally, racism is a collectivist pursuit. If you see people as individuals instead of representatives of groups, you don't have issues with racism. I loved what Eric July said on this program just as the story was first breaking. 
I've always said that racism without statism is nothing but a bad idea. And I'm one of the first ones, one of my most popular articles that I, that I self-published, you know, I, I was talking about the history of like black Amer- Americas. And I was like, if they un- actually understood their history, then they would be libertarians. Mm. You consider slavery, Jim Crow, <laughs> Uh, all the Supreme Court, Plessy versus Ferguson, Dred Scott v. Sanford, all, all of this, when you consider that that was state-sanctioned, endorsed racism. Mm-hmm. It's one thing for Joe Blow to not like me because I'm black. Who cares? It's Joe Blow. <laughs> right. But when that guy has, let's say, a territorial monopoly on use of force, violence, and ultimate decision-making, that's different. It hits different. It's more aggressive, and there's less that I can do. Uh, to combat it. So instead of people focusing on the actual, that, that, that statism that exists, they limit it to, to race. And that's why it's never a solution. It's really smart. So let's take a step back here from all the yelling and the screaming and the broken windows and the burned out buildings. Is the cause for these riots and protests legitimate? To answer that, we need to break this into two separate questions. First, is there an individual complaint? Was George Floyd wrongly killed? And the answer to that is yes. By all appearances, we can recognize what happened to the Floyd was horrific and wrong. One way we recognize this as a society is to charge four people with crimes, including murder. We can all kind of unite and say George Floyd, the individual, was wronged. But because our society doesn't seem to care about individuals, the scope of this story had to be changed. And Floyd had to be used as an example of an ongoing epidemic of racist violence against blacks by the police. Trevor Noah attempted to connect his nine brain cells with dental floss and spit out this pseudo-emotional analysis, which I am convinced, by the way, he actually thinks is a good point. Think about that, that, that unease that you felt watching that target being looted. Try to imagine how it must feel for black Americans when they watch themselves being looted every single day because that's fundamentally what's happening in America. Police in America are looting black bodies. One of the strands of dental floss did break in the middle of that, we should point out. Police are looting black bodies. Wow, I mean, it is so powerful. But is it true? Largely, no. There is no systemic problem with police officers murdering African-Americans. I know that's really hard to hear, but follow me here for a second. There is no ongoing genocide of African-Americans by cops. The thing you're saying is a thing is not a thing. It surely was a thing at some point in the past, but it's not really a thing anymore. First of all, more white people are killed by cops than black people in America. I know that's very shocking for everyone to hear, but it's true. According to The Washington Post, about twice as many whites have been killed since 2015 than blacks. Their database focuses on shooting, so it's not particular to the case of George Floyd. But these trends are consistent throughout various studies. In Minnesota, it's more like four times as many whites get killed by police than blacks. And when you look at unarmed suspects killed, it's five to one. And I mean that literally. Five whites were killed and one African-American was killed over five years. Now, is that a problem? Yes, particularly in the much smaller subset of these deaths where the killings were not justified. I'm just lumping in everything, including a ton of cases where the suspect was shot dead for nothing more than the minor misstep of shooting their gun at the cop while on video. So no, 
This is not looting bodies or genocide. What the media and the Black Lives Matter protesters will then fall back on is the rate. Yes, more whites are killed by cops, but there are a lot more white people. Blacks are killed at a higher rate than whites. First of all, I'd like to point out that when you were talking about a genocide, you don't need to fall back on the rate. When you're talking about World War II, you don't have to say, well, yes, Hitler put more Aryans in the gas chambers in total numbers, but the rate for Jews was higher. You don't need to make those arguments in a genocide. It's not a genocide. But even if we ignore the ridiculous hyperbole, you can, you know, if you strictly compare the fatal shootings by officers to the population, there is an elevated trend, a little bit of an elevated rate among blacks. They make up about 13% of the population and account for about 24% of the deaths. That's not good. But it's a number that is considerably lower than what would be expected statistically when it comes to interactions with the police, which is why how this should be thought of. 24% of the total deaths looks a lot less like a genocide when you consider that African-Americans make up 53% of the known homicide offenders in the United States, according to government data from 2018. Known murderers tend to have nasty interactions with police, which leads to police shooting them a lot more often. In fact, a cop is 18 and a half times as likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. Yet we're talking about defunding the police. And even when aggression is used by officers, Racist trends are invisible in the data. Study after study after study shows the same thing. From the Wall Street Journal, the latest in a series of studies undercutting the claim of systemic police violence was published in August 2019 in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. I'm quoting. The researchers found that the more frequently officers encounter violent suspects from any given racial group, the greater the chance that a member of that group will be fatally shot by the police officer. There is, quote, no significant, uh, no significant evidence of anti-black disparity in the likelihood of being fatally shot by police, they concluded. I should add, a follow-up showed the trend extended to non-fatal shootings as well. A 2015 Justice Department analysis of the Philadelphia Police Department found that white police officers were less likely, less likely than black or Hispanic officers to shoot unarmed black suspects. You might notice that was a Justice Department finding during the presidency of one Barack Obama. And research by Harvard economist Laurel and G. Fryer Jr. also found no evidence of racial discrimination in the shootings, according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Killings by officers, again, including the majority of them that were justified, make up only about 0.1% of the total amount of African-Americans who were killed. We are having marches about the 0.1% when the 99.9% barely gets addressed. And what does the data show in the rest of the cases? Perhaps we will find our racial genocide there? Hmm? No, I'm sorry. African-Americans make up 13% of the population and are responsible for about 16% of the murders of white people in America basically about even with their population percentage. But the same cannot be said for whites murdering blacks. If there was some sort of massive amount of racist violence in this country, you'd expect the white percentage to be really high, right? Well, despite being more than 70% of the population, whites are only responsible for about 8% of murders of African-Americans. 8%. 
72% of the population committing 8% of the murders. That is not a racial genocide, or at least not a good one. People obviously don't know how to do that if they're trying to do it that way. A full 89% of murders of African-Americans are committed by African-Americans. 89%. Those numbers do not include the 85 people shot and 24 people killed in Chicago just this past weekend. Nor do they include the roughly 17 people killed in the protests and riots to supposedly honor the one man named George Floyd, who was one man killed by one police officer. Or maybe four. 17 deaths to honor one man. Is that a good ratio? So far, that's it. This is the justice George Floyd deserved? Obviously, none of this should shine a negative light on people exercising the rights given to them in the First Amendment. Protesting peacefully is a cornerstone of our republic. You don't have to agree with every element of the points being made to recognize that. And importantly, none of this does any work to confirm some David Duke fever dream. Black people are not inherently more violent than white people or whatever new convoluted race theory is bouncing around 8chan these days. A good part of this ex- a good part of this is explained easily. It's pretty easy to understand. People tend to live near people who are similar to them. People tend to kill people who live near them. About seven in 10 blacks live in cities. About eight in 10 whites do not. Cities are more violent uh, than, than the rural areas. It's true, and blacks more frequently live in cities. This is not a good argument to adopt the collectivist idea of racism. And it certainly is not a reason to deconstruct the police and leave the people most likely to become the victims of murder without the only people left to protect them. Most of these cities have already taken away these citizens' rights to own a gun to protect themselves, and now the left wants to take away the police? Who are the racists here again? I'm losing track. Anger over the murder of another citizen is a just cause, regardless of skin color. But at some point, we need to recognize that we live in a country of 330 million people. The fact that you could tick off a few names featured in prominent news stories is not evidence of a genocide. Somewhere between 10 and 30 unarmed blacks are killed by police each year. Too many. We want it to be zero. Many of them, though, end up being obviously justified in the aftermath, including a guy who was once in a shootout with police, then told police he had a gun and was going to shoot them. He didn't actually have a gun, so it counts as an unarmed death. But it's almost impossible to stop something that happens less than 20 or 30 times a year in a country this size. Almost 700 people die from falling off a bed every year. 144 people die of constipation every year, which sounds like a terrible way to go. And over 60 people die from a nasty interaction with a lawnmower. Racism is a serious issue. Anytime someone is murdered, regardless of the reason, that's, of course, serious as well. But taking a problem that we've made so much progress on to the point of it almost completely disappearing and dismantling police departments on the back of a lie. That's not something that any of us should accept. Father's Day can be a stressful uh, time to try to find the perfect gift for dad. Thankfully, Tommy John, I freaking love Tommy John, man. The revolutionary underwear and clothing brand uh, knows that comfort is for everyone. I need a suit from Tommy John. That's what I need. Uh, They have the uh, softest, most breathable base layer uh, anybody, any dad has ever worn. I'm a dad and I know I can vouch for this. 
Their new and improved men's underwear is now twice as durable as the, the uh, old school pairs and uh, infinitely more luxurious, guaranteed. It's the most comfortable stuff I've ever worn, I can tell you that. Uh, they have the great Father's Day deal, the best one they've ever had. 25% off uh, site-wide, including easy-to-gift sets that you can order straight from your phone directly to Dad's door. Uh, all of Tommy John's layers are built for next-level comfort, whether you're on the hunt for lounge pants, lazy-day joggers, the shorts are freaking awesome, too, uh, tees, polos, whatever, whatever you want, Tommy John has you covered. Remember to get your order in before June 17th to ensure that your gift arrives before Father's Day. Tommy John is so confident in their underwear. You don't love their first pair, you'll get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. Tommy John has the perfect gift for your dads in your life. Make sure 25% off. Use the code STU. Make sure you use tommyjohn.com slash STU. The code is STU. 25% off site-wide. See site for details. We all saw the videos. They make us sick. Uh, they horrified and even saddened us. Uh, recordings of violence in the streets right here in Dallas. In one, a man is beaten unconscious. Uh, another, a roller cart with neatly stacked bricks, magically appears at the Dallas riots. Considering bricks are a trademark weapon of Antifa, it was, you know, it was a pretty big scoop at the time. Uh, both videos were recorded and posted by Elijah Schaefer, a host of Slightly Offensive right here on Blaze TV. As usual, the response to anything that contradicts the preferred narrative is to discredit the people offering evidence or proof or data. Let's make it personal, which is exactly what is happening with those videos. And as a result, Elijah, uh, leading the charge, of course, uh, the intercept in this one, I thought, Elijah was described as a, quote, freelance producer for Glenn Beck's Blaze TV and a pro-Trump political activist who hosts a YouTube talk show dedicated to mocking left-wing protesters. I actually kind of <laughs> like that. Uh, the article, of course, accuses Elijah of doctoring videos. Elijah, how does it feel to go from uh, slightly offensive to completely offensive? Yeah, to go from being uh, just sometimes being a little bit off in my humor to apparently being off in the complete honesty of everything yeah. that I posted. Uh, it's, it, in it's interesting to be called a complete liar. <laughs> and for that, to, it, unfortunately, the article did trend to where my mom even read it. Oh, wow. That's that's always the sad point where they realize <laughs> your mom realizes you're a complete liar. Congratulations. Thank you so uh, much. It's a big accomplishment. Yeah. I, let me go back to the beginning of this Dallas uh, situation. Um, is it true this is literally your first day moving to Dallas you go out that night and you're in the middle of the biggest part of the riots. Yeah, so I drove in uh, from Amarillo. I had stayed the night in Amarillo working on some of my show and I just drive in <laughs> and I, I haven't, my stuff hadn't arrived. That night I slept on the floor um, with a sleeping bag. I had no, no stuff here yet. And uh, I was in the bathroom, unfortunately for your listeners, and I just got a text message that says, get down to Dallas right now, downtown Dallas. And, I, and so I washed my hands like anybody during COVID would do. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I, here's the best part. Not only was it my first night in Dallas, my phone broke a week earlier, so I had no phone. Uh, my producer went on to do different things. I had no producer on my show, so I'm the only person. And there was no internet in my home, so I had no internet or connection outside. And then I, all we had was my wife's phone, but because I'm on a Blaze TV salary, there was only 500 megabytes left <laughs> on the hard drive. It's not one of the, big, the good ones. Right, right, right. So I went out to Dallas with my wife's phone, 
with her at home with no phone and no internet with 500 megabytes, meaning every time I filmed a video, I had to delete the video and so I could refilm a new video. Right, right. Jeez. That was my life. Well, first of all, I should say, even when it's not COVID time, after you go to the bathroom, you should wash your hands. I don't know. Well, if I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to clarify <laughs> that I washed my hands before COVID, during COVID and after. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing about it now. I will say <laughs> watching it happen online live and I'm just I am not you like I am in my nice little home. I'm curled up in blankets. I'm watching Twitter. I'm watching you do all this stuff. I was legitimately scared for you a couple times. Like I, I legitimately scared. Like I, what was it like being down there? Because this was the worst of of the riots. I mean, outside of Minneapolis, maybe one of the worst situations that happened this entire time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Portland has it pretty bad mm-hmm. as well. Portland always has it. Yes, bad. poor Andy knows. Yeah, <laughs> getting stuff thrown. Portland at is always its own its own uh, you know slice of cake there, but. You know, to make it, we laugh at it, and I laugh because sometimes there's nothing you can do, but I noticed that when I was down there, there is a moment where you have to have an out, where you realize that the footage isn't worth the risk, right? So there's like a risk factor. And when I first started hearing gunshots go off, which there were gunshots, I never saw the news report about it. People were firing actual firearms. I saw quite a few firearms down there, not just with the militia. But I think when I realized that I didn't see police lights even in the distance, nor saw a police helicopter, but was hearing gunshots, watching people try to break into the American Airlines Center, uh, breaking open ATMs, breaking into bars so they could get drunk. People were breaking, stealing alcohol and getting drunk while they were breaking into other stores um i was going "Mm, i think we're one step away from a war zone and i don't have any protection so i gotta get out yeah this because this is i mean it's almost like uh when you have a you set up a you know your house or whatever you want to have a fire escape route you want to have that route to get out of there in case something happens, some plan. Because at some point you just need to pull the cord and, and get the hell out of there or you're gonna be in real trouble. Yeah, I realized there was there was no going back because what what I want people to get through, um, I don't know, are we gonna touch on the Intercept article at any point? Because we could. Yeah, we, yeah, we can, yeah. Yeah, we totally can. But before we get into debunking me and then debunking the debunking of me, <laughs> um, during this attack on this machete man, which apparently was like the most, it's been the most viewed video of the riots of this yeah, entire two weeks, I which mean, is pretty cool. Intense. Blaze TV, that's where it's at. Yeah. Um, but. That being said, what shocked me the most was after they beat him unconscious, they continued to drop rocks on his head, then they robbed him, and then they picked up the rocks that they dropped on his head and then used them to start breaking into the stores and looting them right next to him. So this was a complete chaos of a riot. And, you know, I, I want to implicate Black Lives Matter in this and say, at the riots in Dallas, these were not white kids breaking into buildings. These were mostly black guys. And I want to bring in the fact that when that's why when Trump said thugs, yes, there were white people. Yes, there were black people. But ultimately, these are criminals. Yeah. These aren't these aren't criminals aren't black. Criminals aren't white. Criminals are law breakers. Right. And these were absolute criminals. And this entire issue, I never meant to frame it as black versus white people. This was an idea of the lawless versus the law abiding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go into that a little bit because you we're an expert in this field, right? Like you are in the middle of these riots or rallies all the time. You know Antifa's uh, tactics. You know how they operate. You've been covering this for a long time. What was the split like? I mean, when you talk about, because we have, we know there are several groups. Like there are some people surely that are there just protesting and trying to be good people and not doing anything wrong. There are people who are violent. There are people who are opportunists. There might be elements of Antifa in, in these things. What was the split there? Did you have any sense? No, of- I, I, I do. And I think people, again, if you're honest about it, uh, you get debunked and people write mm-hmm. against you right. because you're challenging um, the narrative. And unfortunately for myself, 
I don't get to choose whether I look like I'm racist or discriminatory or whatever else they call me. I'm just trying to report the facts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if the facts are racist, then I'm sorry. That's not me. Don't confuse me with the facts. And I'm not reporting anything in any, in any way to look a certain way because I'll give myself this. Before people start saying you're attacking black people and trying to implicate black people, most of my coverage is of white kids yeah. breaking the law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the funny thing is, it's like the first time I go out to a predominantly black <laughs> right. riot, it's now I'm racist for covering this riot. And I go, what about the 30 to 100 other riots and protests I've covered were predominantly white? Right. Was I racist towards the white people then? Was I implicating them? No. And even in this time, I never once brought up in my tweets the color of people's skin. But I'll tell you what, I think these were a lot of these were, were opportunists. Okay. But I also think that they were probably just wannabe thugs, wannabe petty thugs uh, who, who seize the moment. But I'll say this too. It was organized. There was at Friday night, the first riots, there was leaders leading the group, directing them and mm -hmm. telling them where the bricks were. So there That's was, incredible. it was, it was, it was definitely organized. And if it was organized, what group was leading it because of the demographic concentration, it, I, I presume it was Black Lives Matter by the signs, but of course, I don't want to conjecture. I don't have evidence that it was them. Right, and you did have video of the bricks. Oh yeah, they were everywhere. That's incredible. They, they, were, they, were, they were all over. I wasn't the only one. Protesters, see, I got called a liar that night. Yeah. I wrote, you know, this was planned. They were organizing this and everyone, oh, ha, 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 you're a liar. Oh, your videos, you doctor them. Until what? 10, 20, 30 videos start coming out yeah. of people finding piles of bricks, trucks dropping bricks off yeah. in parking lots. Very strange. So let's go to um, uh, the intercept and the criticism that you've received. Oh, I like this. Yeah, this one video in particular, which is, as you said, the most viewed video of the entire riots. I mean, it is incredibly disturbing to watch, particularly when he's just laying on the ground there. I mean, I, how this guy lived through this. I'm not I, proud of it. No, oh, no, I know. But you, I mean, <laughs> I'm proud of the important. coverage, but not yeah. proud that it happened. I mean, it's 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 kind of like. It's kind of like making money as being a divorce lawyer. Like that's how my job is. <laughs> right, it's yeah. like, you know, people's misery and problems lead to your success. But it's important though, Elijah. I mean, and that, that's something that, you know, there's no way a, a mainstream media source is getting video of that. That's just never known that that even occurred. Unless they you're they don't do that. it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why I do what I do because if people want to watch it, by the way, I, you know, you got to go to my YouTube, slightly yeah. offensive. Uh, you've got to check it out and subscribe because there's a lot of great videos, commentary too. I think we're one of the few shows that the commentary on the show and the podcast uses a lot of footage we capture. Yeah. So, it, and by we, it's actually just me right now. <laughs> right. So, so that being, I know it's like, I try to act like my show's like this big thing. It's like, <laughs> no, it's me good. A, you just like talk it up. Yeah. Me in a box. No, but, uh, I like that. Wait, wait. So, so they, they're criti criticizing you for editing the video and their, their, yes. their case is, and the first version that I saw of it was basically this guy just getting beat up. He's lying on the ground, you know, getting kicked while he's down. Seconds before that, this guy is rushing at them with some sort of knife or sword. Machete. A machete. Okay. Um, and he's coming after them, and they say you edited it be before that, so it looked like it was an unwarranted attack on some poor white guy. When in reality, he was going after him with a knife. Okay. And yeah, let me just clear this up. This is very easy to clear up. So. Right before my video starts, by the way, with my limited 500 megabyte storage, and I can't continuously film, uh, this is, and this is footage I, I, I re-released, it wasn't my own. People were throwing rocks and bricks at him, they were stoning him. So he charged them after he already tried to get away and they continued to pursue him throwing rocks and bricks at him. So when I cut that part out, I cut it out actually because if I put my whole video up, it made it look like he was the aggressor. When while I, I never defended him 
rushing the people. Mm -hmm. All, I even added the context. I said they were throwing rocks and stoning him. Then he rushed them. I literally wrote that yeah. in the text of my video. Right. He rushed them and then they jumped him and whatever. I wrote the context. So I didn't lie. Like I didn't edit, I didn't edit out the truth in terms of the story. Mm -hmm. I just knew my footage didn't tell the full story, which is like, and people go, well, it's a convenient edit. And I go, yeah, all edits are convenient. That's why we created editing software because it creates a convenient way to tell the truth. <laughs> sure. And I go, and so when they're trying to, they're going, well, why did you edit that part out? I go, actually putting that whole video up initially would have led to a very skewed narrative. I needed to wait till the footage came out, which I found and, and also supplied of the first part mm -hmm. so that I could actually support my whole story. And people just go, oh, that makes you a liar. And you go, but did I ever lie? Did, right. I ever, did I ever mislead? Did I ever say he didn't rush them? Did I not provide the context? And they go, well, you did this. Now they're judging the matter of my intentions and my heart, which is just conjecture. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a, it's a, it is not a uh, it's not a point that I think really benefits them, especially if you wrote wrote it right. Like if you are adding the context, I mean, I know they had to read, and that's sometimes challenging. Yeah. Words can get. It was paid, in the text, but it's in the text. It's there. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back in a second here with Elijah Schaefer, a host of Slightly Offensive, right here on Blaze TV. Uh, go to blazetv.com/stu. Use the promo code stu. You'll save ten bucks. Back in a second. Back with Elijah Schaefer, who is in the middle of the, I mean, many uh, stories like this over the years. But uh, this this one in Dallas in particular really blew up. Uh, tons of people going to your YouTube and Instagram, everywhere subscribing all over the place. Um, and you can, of course, watch the show here on Blaze TV. Uh, so give me a sense of where we are. Like, I, you know, I've seen, obviously, we saw real mass craziness uh, over the past week, in, in particularly in big cities. There have been, you know, even around here, smaller town, you know, peaceful protests that have gone completely fine and there's been no no problems at all. Um, are we on the other side of this now for a little while? Where do we stand in this cycle? You know, ultimately, I will stick with the investors uh, in the stock market and say it looks like we have a lot of hope for the future of the United States of America as a whole. We've gone through a lot of things, and I and I think that um, I want to bring people to a fact. There was about, and I could be off by a few, but initial reports are there was about 10,000 people at D.C. at the last protest. Maybe it was more. They were projecting a million. Mm. Um, so you're talking about about 1% of the original projection of what this protest would bring. Um, and then you look at L.A. and they go, oh, there were 70,000. You're like, yeah, in a place of 10 million people. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and when you're looking at the actual groups that are doing this, you know, I think uh, Trump even said that 80 percent of, of Minneapolis, a lot of these writers were, were, were not from the area. They weren't from the region. And even off camera on MSNBC, you're finding somebody said, oh, I drove in. I'm an activist from this state. I think this is coordinated. I think that what we're seeing is not the unrest of America. I think it's just the coordinated opportunity of groups that are that are completely masking themselves as fighting for black lives, but are really trying to implement radical left wing Marxism and dismantle this, the stability of our country. I think a lot of countries and groups have interest in doing that. So does that mean that you think this, I mean, look, this has been going on forever, these you know, crazy protests. Does this mean, though, that we are kind of at the end of this burst of it? Or because it's organized, will it flare up again you know, before the election in the next few months? Well, you know, I, my wife's from Australia, and Australian politics are boring. Um, they're boring. <laughs> I would love to have boring politics. Yeah. That sounds awesome. They're boring. It's like the parties look are like the exact same. <laughs> there's uh, nobody has guns, and they mm. just there's mandatory voting, so there's no, you know, it's just it's like it's just a different yeah, category. Yeah. But you know, she was telling me because 
we were, I was getting a little bit bored in what I was producing last year. And she goes, oh, like, it's crazy. Like there hasn't been a lot of like, you know, hits or different things. And we were discussing and I'm going, but baby, just wait. For some reason, right when the election year comes, mm-hmm. just coincidentally, the whole country falls apart. Yeah. And every issue that, that could possibly arise will arise. Um, but what I think is that we are getting one step closer to the powder keg. I don't think this is it, mm-hmm. but I do hold a very firm stance that I, I believe that a civil war will happen again in our, in our nation. Wow. I just don't know who the players are. I think you know, whether it's the UN versus the citizens and it becomes more of a global fight or whether it's just citizens taking back, like not even a real civil war, but citizens reestablishing their own constitutions and governments and realigning their cities with what's correct. I mean, we're gonna see that because Black Lives Matter wants to dismantle Western civilization society. They say it. Yeah, that's, so, I think a big, that's a big part of the misconception here is that Black Lives Matter I think the average person who is not watching the blaze, who's not, you know, in the news all the time Mm -hmm. thinks, well, yeah, I want I don't want black people to be abused. And, you know, I have friends that are black and this is this. Of course, I'm on their side. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that this is an organization with a manifesto, which reads like it's from Stalin. They use comrades in their work. They call, they call each other comrades. Yeah. What black person do you know calls another black person comrade? <laughs> Zero black people. Yeah. Is that, is, is, that a, is, that a, is that a hood name? No. That comes from white people yes. who are manipulating and using these people to push a Marxist agenda. And when you look at the fact that they talk about deconstructing heteronormativity, which is a mm-hmm. way of saying promoting queer culture, they don't believe in parenting. They believe in grazing children in a tribe. They believe in black separatism. They support a, abortion. They don't believe in police. They don't believe in a traditional form of government. I mean, this is what all on their website, you go, this is not about black lives. This is about destabilizing a Western civilization made up of black lives who unfortunately will also be affected negatively, even if they're the minority. You know, minorities get affected the same way as majorities in the end when the entire country is shaken up. And unfortunately for, for us, these, these defunding the police right now in Minneapolis and Los Angeles and New York, I mean, you know, it's it's going to be a disaster. It really will only because they're not, if you said I'm going to defund and we have a strong strategic plan to change these things, and hey, we looked and we found these errors with our police department and we looked and we can put money here, I might listen, but right now they're just defunding because of, of political pressure yeah. without an alternative. And that's what scares me the most. You can't do anything based off of pressure. You have to do, you have to, you have to lead based on logic. And most important, you have to lead based on the constitution. And if what you're doing is undermining people's personal liberties and abilities to live a free and safe life by defunding the police because a Marxist militant group is pressuring you, then I'll be damned. Yeah, because it feels like it's they've just jumped into this. And I don't you know, my impression of this um, for the average person is they're going to see defund the police like you want to dismantle the police department. Well, what happens when someone breaks into my house? Um, and this, in a way, is a gift to Trump. And like the fact that they've jumped to this this quickly is a gift to to Donald Trump to be able to say, like, no, we need some order in this country. I think even average Democrats don't want their bur- buildings burned down. The, you know, th- they own a business. They don't want it destroyed. Um, so uh, to me, it seems like that could be a positive politically uh, because they've jumped to the ultimate extreme. It's an extreme they've been acknowledging for a very long time, but people were not aware of it. And now they're jumping in with this kind of slogan approach of def- defunding the police, which is insanity. I mean, it's it's legitimately insane. I guess if you had a really strong Second Amendment, there's an argument you could be made that there's more policing of ourselves that we can do. But the fact that these cities have taken away the rights for people to defend themselves and now they're taking away the people who defend them. I mean, this this is not going to work. 
No, it's it's not. And I, I but what I want people to understand, I I keep hearing people going the left and the right and Democrats. What like it's not about that anymore. Mm -hmm. What you're seeing is the right, the new right. Um, has developed their, a new culture. And it's been very hard for traditional conservatives to accept this new raw and sort of crass and militant side of the right. And I mean that, I'm calling that, it's the Trumpians. It's, it's, it's a side I support very much. Um, and I know even people at the Blaze weren't on board with it up front because it's going, we're conservative, we're mm -hmm. you know, Christian, we're whatever, we, we, you know, Trump sleeps with women and this and that. We don't support <laughs> this form of conservatism. But I go, I mean, you know it was, what? It was nice to stick with the one woman he was married to. That's right. all we were kind well, of Well, that's asking. what I'm saying. No, it's like it's like but but at the same time you're going well right but that's why conservatism is becoming different because what we're conserving isn't just moral values anymore it's the very framework of the nation right like it's we're getting into war mode because these people are going this is not the democrats or the left this is the new left right people call it the alt left i don't think that's fair enough to say it's the new left which you see sean king different people criticizing their own party you know and and you see this the the sda the social democrats of america has upped its, its membership by 10 percent mm -hmm. um spreading across the country, there is this move in polarization. Uh, and really, Trump, I think, is a response to it. And then this is a backlash response to Trump. Right. But these are not the Democrats. This is the militant wing of the Democrat Party that unfortunately, because the Democrats have become so weak over time, just like many of the establishment Republicans, these people are actually taking over the Democrat Party. And what seems like extremism is becoming mainstream. Yeah, and they're winning, right? I mean, because I'm looking at the last couple of years, think of the New York Times, right? Two years ago, the New York Times uh, hires Sarah Zhang, right? And and she is, all these tweets come out of her saying, cancel white people, and I, I, I get great pleasure from being cruel to old white men, and all these things. And there is a controversial story at the time. In 2018, the op-ed, the head of the op-ed department comes out and says, you know, we're defending her. She was just joking. Things they would never allow a conservative to get away with. Um, here we are two years later, same guy. He's still in charge. And now he, he prints a Tom Cotton, a sitting senator's op-ed. And he gets fired for it, basically, because it's apparently too controversial, even though 60% of people said, yeah, we need the military if this gets out of control. He, he was never woke enough. You're never woke enough. They always want more. They always want more and more. You can't give an inch because if you give an inch, they will take miles and miles and miles. Yeah, it, it actually scares me uh, a little bit, but also gives me some reassurance of it's caused me to speak up more and to be more bold because I go, what is the point of compromising? You know, when I explain to people why I do not stand for Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, people can say, oh, you're a racist and you're this. And I go, but if I also agreed with them, I'd be called a racist too. What you don't understand is it's about following your convictions and your morals and also realizing that you have a, an allegiance with your convictions and morals to uphold the Constitution as well, which I believe follows God-given principles. Mm -hmm. Some liberalism I disagree with in certain areas, but hey, my point being is that if they're not going to allow you any room to to speak the truth and they're always going to get you somewhere then might as well put up your full defense and don't and don't don't be on the defense put up your walls leave the walls and get on the attack mode yeah. why don't you go out there and not only just defend yourself don't be in a position to need to defend yourself it's like the intercept writes a, an article debunking me it's like well who even reads the intercept right. that was their best article i was probably their most trending article <laughs> yeah, of the year sure. i just got i just made people money so <laughs> you know i want i want a cut of that you know yeah, what i mean exactly. it's like no, that's what i mean i go on the attack mode and just go i didn't even defend myself against them going where here's where you were wrong 
wrong. I just said, you guys are liars. You're dishonest. You pretend to be journalists. You write things as if you're you know, discovering the truth, but you're really just a, a new yeah. extreme left smear campaign blog. Mm. And good for you that you had an article trend, but again, you write, your work is based off of my work. So it's your life, you're controlled by what I do. And that's power to me. Oh, that's, and that's certainly the Trump principle, right? Everything they write is controlled by him. He, he controls them. Free rent. Um, it's true. Let me ask you one more thing. I have 30 seconds. Um, where do you draw the line with this as a police department? Because I, I thought a line was crossed and cannot le- be allowed to be crossed when they let uh, the, the people in Minneapolis take the police precinct. That can't freaking happen under any circumstances. Where do you draw the line with these things when they get out of control? I'm not an authoritarian, and I'm going to end up getting quote tweeted probably badly for this, but at a certain point, I think live rounds are completely uh, allowed, and this idea about property and breaking into businesses and looting, I think the threat of rounds if they don't quit, I think like a ceasefire, if you would have said, hey, if you don't stop looting within two hours and you break into a business, you can be shot. I think that's fair. Uh, I do. I really do. And, and I think that the line needs to be drawn. I think where there's no justice and where, where justice is not swift, it gives other people the opportunity to do wrong. That's yeah. in the Bible and it's true for, for this country. And we should point out, it's not just property. I mean, 17 people have died in these riots, at least so far, uh, compared to the you know one person died in the George Floyd uh, saga. Uh, 17 have died in these riots. This has been serious for people's lives as well. We got to take a break. Uh, Elijah Schaefer, host of Slightly Offensive. Where's the best place people should go? Go to, to youtube.com slash slightly offensive or follow me at Elijah Schaefer uh, on Twitter. But of course, you can also sign up blazetv.com uh, slash stew. Is that what that is? Yeah, slash stew. You can do yeah, that. So you can go slash, slash stew and use this code and you can find all my content there as well. So Awesome. Thanks so much. Elijah, thanks so much awesome. for coming Thank on the you, program. Sir. Back in a second. There's one thing you know about being here on Stew Does America, and I hope you didn't forget this over the last week of vacation is that Andrew Cuomo is awful. Just awful. That's why we had t-shirts made up that say Andrew Cuomo is awful. You can buy them at stewdoesmerch.com. I will say it's probably a top five purchase of your life. The mug is great too. I will say if if you happen to be in an office, you want to make sure people know that you think Andrew Cuomo is awful, you want to make sure you get that mug. And the reason I bring this up is I'm very disturbed by a story. And I don't know if it, if it relates, all goes all the way to Andrew, but this Cuomo family is freaking weird, okay? This is a weird family. You know they're incompetent. You know they're not good at their jobs, but they're a weird family. Now, I'm sure the kids are delightful, but let me give you a little Chris Cuomo rundown here. The wife has got this, like, lifestyle magazine where she's telling you to, like, bathe in bleach and God only knows, really weird natural solutions for, like, COVID-19. And it was Chris, Chris did the same treatment. You know, he's criticizing Trump for a hydroxychloroquine. At least some scientists think that might work. Nobody thinks the bleach bath works. So uh, he, she's doing yoga on social media posts. And in some ways, I have a little bit of sympathy for him for this moment. But it's a weird moment. Here is a picture of it. If you can't see, <laughs> you can't see I'll, I'll describe it. She's in her, like, you know, beautiful home doing yoga. And in the background, there's just a glass opening. And Chris Cuomo just walks out butt naked on the back porch outside. What the hell is he doing? Now, the reason I say I sympathize a little bit is my wife is always on social media. And I've had moments of terrifying fear. Like, I'm in the shower. She's going to walk in with Instagram on or something. But, I mean, he's outdoors. What? This guy is bizarre. He's just standing on his back porch with his thing hanging out there, flapping in the wind. 
I mean, uh, it just, it's not a good idea. If you do that, stop it. Back in a second. I'm sorry to do this. Can we go back to the stupid picture of Chris Cuomo outside? <laughs> Who would do this? He's just standing up there naked on his back porch. The only way this gets better, if it's not Chris Cuomo, Chris Cuomo is actually traveling out of town and just some dude, maybe it was Andrew, just walked out naked on the back porch. We'll investigate and get back to you on that one. 